Lately, my wife Jerry and I have been blessed with many opportunities to go camping. Both of us enjoy exploring the great outdoors, traveling to places we've never been before, and making new friends. So camping out suits us very well. It's a fun activity that satisfies many of our personal desires and preferences. Moreover, camping often gives us both a sense of adventure in our lives and an appreciation for the natural world all around us. When the setting sun's orange and gold rays illuminate and outline hundreds of fluffy purple-gray clouds floating in a pink and blue sky, we can feel deeply connected with creation and intimately unified with our Creator. But there's a catch. At least for me there is, and the catch is simply this. Connections with God and with God's creation require some cultivation on my part. Those connections deserve my notice, invite my reflection, and inspire my prayer. Put in Wesleyan terminology, the grace freely offered through God's self and God's creation calls me to respond willingly and, if possible, joyfully. In this way, I am bound strongly to God and made more fruitful in God's service. Hello, I'm Roger Short, and this is the Pray Together podcast, a ministry of the North Alabama Conference of the United Methodist Church, produced by the conference's Adult Discipleship Formation Team. Thank you for listening. Today I recommend a book to you, especially if you are one who longs for closer fellowship with the Spirit of God and for warmth of kinship in God's creation. The book is titled, Living in an Icon a program for growing closer to creation and to God, written by Robert Gottfried and Frederick W. Kruger. As its title implies, the book does not focus primarily on prayer as a spiritually formative discipline. Rather, it focuses on our drawing nearer to God and the natural world. Having said that, however, I've got to tell you, Living in an icon is chock full of prayer practices, guided meditations, thoughtful reflections, and beneficial spiritual exercises. I want to tell you a little more about the book, suggest how you might make use of it in your prayer, and pray together with you making use of an exercise that Gottfried and Kruger call reorientation. I haven't worked my way through the entire book, but as far as I can tell, the authors make no effort to explain its title, Living in an Icon. Instead, they seem to jump right into the insights and invitations that, if grasped and practiced, will propel readers toward the goal identified in the book's subtitle, A Program for Growing Closer to Creation and to God. Apparently, they wanted their readers to decipher or perhaps to contemplate what the phrase living in an icon means. If so, then their wish has been granted in me because I'm absolutely hooked by their ingenious little play on words. Now, in the 8th and 9th centuries of the Common Era, the Byzantine Church was rocked by a series of conflicts over the display of images in worship. Icons. The iconoclasts, who opposed the use of drawings, paintings, tapestries, and scriptures in worship, argued that scripture, the Bible's book of Exodus chapter 20 specifically, prohibits such items, and that believers are tempted to worship works of art 
as idols rather than the God who inspires artists and their artwork. On the other hand, iconophiles defended the use of art in worship, arguing that veneration of beautiful objects is categorically different from worshiping them. It's not idolatry at all. Additionally, they pointed to the incarnation of Jesus Christ. If making a physical representation of the divine is wrong, then why had God begotten a human son? One of their proof texts was the Bible's book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. What is Jesus then, they claimed, if not an icon of sorts? Ultimately, the iconophiles, those defenders of icons in worship, won the dispute. Today, the Eastern Orthodox Church celebrates that victory annually in the Feast of Orthodoxy. Clearly, Gottfried and Kruger approve of the iconophile's rationale, and by choosing the book title, Living in an Icon, they push their icon-friendly theology even further. Since the doctrine of Christ's incarnation is a kind of icon pointing souls to God, so is the doctrine of creation. How else are we to understand scriptures such as Psalm 19, verse 1? The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims His handiwork. And the Bible's book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Indeed, you and I are are living in an icon, the icon of creation. For creation itself points to the eternal creator if we are open and attentive to its promptings. That's what the book is all about. I have a couple of suggestions for you concerning Gottfried's and Kruger's book, and my first suggestion is this. Do not read the book from cover to cover in a few sittings. If you read it as you would a novel, then I doubt you'll get it at all, so to speak. Similarly, if you study this book as you would a textbook, then I doubt you'll receive the fullest effect possible. In my opinion, this is a book to be read a few pages at a time, savored deeply each and every time, and over a long, long period of time. Again, do not rush through living in an icon. My second suggestion is that you pair brief contemplative readings from the book together with excursions into the world of nature. Read, then hike in the woods. Meditate on a few pages, then chill in your backyard. Reread a meaningful paragraph, perhaps do a Lectio Divina on it, then take a walk in a local park. The book contains spiritual exercises that you can do in your heart and in your neighborhood. Do both. Don't leave out anything. If a thought or a practice doesn't seem to fit you, skip it for the time being and come back to it later. In time and with practice, your measured readings, together with your outdoor experiences, will help you to grow closer to creation and to God. I guarantee it. In closing, will you pray with me? 
The authors of Living in an Icon call this prayer reorientation. If you're listening to this podcast on the go, then pause it until you can find a quiet spot either inside or outside. Sit down and become comfortable. Let go of all your cares and especially of any animosities or anger or resentment. Relax. Take some deep breaths to flush out the thoughts and worries that have conditioned your thinking. You might find it helpful to inhale slowly for a count of six or eight and then slowly exhale through your lips for a count of eight. Focus on how your breath feels as it passes in and out of your nostrils. Take your time and let your body relax and sink into a rhythm of breathing. Become intentionally quiet. Commend yourself to God and surrender to the wisdom of the Creator's caring love. Once you have quieted down, ask that the presence of Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit, fill you. Now continue in awareness of the life of Christ coming upon you. Continue to invoke His presence. Ask that the Holy Spirit overshadow your exercise and bring deep change to your thinking and insights. Submit your life and your will to God. Relax in that sacred space. God, we give you thanks for your presence now and at all times. Holy Spirit, please guide us as we go out into creation, whether in the woods or on a city street. Amen. Now go in peace, friends, taking stillness, calm, and quiet with you.